0: Y'all may be that. So I'm at church this morning. I feel good. Feel pretty good. Uh, yeah, I had a lot that went on this week. And God, as I woke up out of my sleep, uh, God just put this impression on my heart of his church. And before I even got here in a real way, he stirred my heart up to love you guys. Um, just this idea that I get to stand before the church of God, not my church. Can't we love you? This ain't your no church, brother. Uh, uh, Brandon, it's not his. This is the church of the living God, a people who, who He has called His own. And little measly old me get to stand here and preach to you guys. And God just stirred my heart for this reality of His church and how beautiful it was. Uh, my name is Tayshawn. I'm on, I'm on staff here at SOMA, and I get the opportunity to share God's word with you guys. Um, It is my desire to stir my brothers and sisters' affection for Jesus, that as you hear the word, that it may take root in your heart, and you leave with this gospel message, and you display the faith that we believe. It's my hope today. Um, So I want us to be at all at God, and my fear is that generally we don't take time to just sit and look at what God has done and just be at all. I'm talking about just mouth dropping. I'm talking about just stunned. I'm talking about just heart melting all at what God is doing, not what he has done, because God is always doing things, always moving. I believe that God is always saving continuously, that we serve a patient God who is continually just calling his church to himself. And so I don't know about you, but a sinner being saved should put us at all. Yeah. But does it? Right? Is it, is it kind of just a thing that we, oh yeah, God saves sinners. That's just what he does. I want us to be at all. So if you heard me preaching any of the three, four times that I have, you know I normally don't use like uh, illustrations or stories. Today I got a good one though. Today I got a, I got a, I got a good one. We're gonna pull it up on the screen. I got a good one. I got a good one. I got a good one. Okay, okay. So so the Portland Trailblazers, right, play uh, OKC, all right? There's a little tension going on, a little fuel. Westbrook, you know what I'm saying? Lillard, Wooty Wooty Why? So anyone anyone who don't know, I wanted the illustration to be like real, I wanted you to see what I saw. So uh, let's just just play it real quick. Let's see this, let's see this. It's a tie game, it's a tie game, right? Eight seconds, seven seconds, okay, 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 okay. For the game, do we need to play it back? I played it back like eight more times. All right, we we ain't gonna play it back, we ain't gonna play it back. I played it back, thank you guys, thank you guys. I played it back like eight times. When I saw it, I didn't see the original game. When I saw the highlights the next day, because on social media they kept raving about it, right? And when I saw it, the only thing I can say was, man, that's good. That's it. You gotta be a hater. You gotta hate this man's guts. You gotta hate dame's guts to say that that wasn't a good shot, right? I couldn't do nothing else but say, man, that's good. NBA three-pointer, just to give you perspective, is about what is it? 20, what did I put? It's 23 feet and nine inches away from the rim. This man took a 37 foot shot. And he hit nothing but net. No backboard, no dancing around the rim. What a good defender. He hit nothing but net. And I saw the crowd go wild and I said, man, I gotta use that one. I gotta use that one. You know why? Because my God is always shooting 37 foot shots and hitting nothing but net. He's always shooting full court shots, hitting nothing but net. He shoots from Indianapolis to Chicago, nothing but net, California to New York, nothing but net, North Pole to South Pole, nothing but net. He shoots from the sun to Pluto and hits nothing but net with 100 defenders on him. Nothing but net. And he's doing this in the world daily. Right? And I want us to say. So if any time I say something and you think in your heart, please just do me a favor and say it out loud and say, man, that's good. If it's really good, you can say, man, that's good, that's good. Like that. That's, that's how you know you're feeling, man. That's good, that's good. So let's get into, that's probably the only time y'all can get a story from me, unless a good story comes uh, later on. So soak that one in. All right. <laughs> let's turn our Bibles to Romans 5. We're going to read verse one, and verse, verse 1 and verse 2. It is on page 942 in the Black Bibles. If you are a visitor at Soma and you do not own a Bible, this Black Bible is ours to you. Please feel free to take it. As you're turning there, uh, I want you guys to be aware that I'm going to preach Romans 5. Sounds like what I just said, right? But I know as I share Romans 5, some of you may be having uh, conflicting, uh, just kind of like, well, what about, well, what about just kind of these questions throw out? Uh, I want you to be aware that I'm fully aware of Romans 6, but today I'm preaching Romans 5, <laughs> all right? And Romans 5 just shares about this grace of God. Um, and so I will share that in light of our saying that I, I don't want you to hear that I'm just saying go out and do whatever you want. Uh, but I will preach this because Paul let it stand alone, so I'm going to let it stand alone. And I want you to feel the weight of God's goodness as Romans five stands alone. So let us read Romans five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Huh. Man, that's good. That's good, eh? Hey? That's good. There you go. I get I get, get my amen corner. All right. So Paul, he shares in Romans 3, starting at verse 21, all the way through Romans 4, this idea of being justified by grace through faith alone. And he's sharing this because he's sharing Romans to a group of Jews and Gentiles, and it's kind of like, like just kind of debunking some ideas. That anything that has to do with your salvation uh, 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 is a part of your doing, that you do anything for salvation. You're justified by grace through faith. And Paul leads into chapter five, and that's where he, he says, therefore, right? He says, so in light of this reality, In light of being justified by grace alone, through the faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? In light of that, he assumed that you read Romans 3, 21 through Romans 4. He says, in light of that, we have peace with God, right? So he says, I want you to understand one thing, that you're justified not of yourself. You're justified by Jesus and because of that, you have peace with God. So he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, all right? This peace is not a peace uh, uh, that is a feeling. This peace is a reality. This is a, this is a objective reality. This is a, a truth statement. This statement is not based on how you feel or how they felt. In the moment, we objectively, because of what Jesus has done, died on the cross for our sins, paid the debt that we could not pay. He died the death that we deserve because of that. There is a reality, and this reality is that we are no longer enemies of God. We are at peace with God. We're not at war with God anymore, and God is not at war with us. It's an objective truth, peace. Now, flowing out of that truth, yes, at times we do feel it. We do feel this peace with God. But we have to be careful that this, this, we don't lean totally on our feelings, or because that changes. I told, you, I told you guys this morning, I feel good. Another day, I might, not feel, I might not feel so good. It doesn't alter the reality that we have with God. It doesn't alter our standing with God. And so this peace is an objective truth. Um, we're no longer enemies with God. God no longer has a wrath. His wrath is no longer stored up towards us. Jesus Christ took the full wrath of God for us. And because of that, we have peace. I want to think about this in, in this way, uh, I almost use a political term. I'm not going to use it. I just, just think about someone who has authority, right, that is against you, and how good would it be to be at peace with that person? If it's in the workplace, if it's at school, if it's at home, just how much do you desire a person that has authority over you, how much would you desire to be at peace with that person? Objectively. Like, man, it's all good with us. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. I love you. How good would it be to be at peace with someone who has authority and God has ultimate authority? And I see it as good. And so he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews would have thought about this. This question would have arose uh, I hear you saying that there's faith alone, grace alone. I hear that for a Jew, that would've kind of been something to wrestle with because I'm used to doing things. I'm used to trying to keep the law. And so I hear what you're saying. I'm sort of holding on to what you're saying, but I need assurance. Paul, are you sure that that's enough? Are you sure that what Jesus did, essentially what they're saying, are you sure that what Jesus did is enough? Are you sure that grace is enough? Are you sure that faith in Jesus is enough? Because I'm used to doing something. What can I do? How can I be a part? Is there any work for me to do? So Paul, he kind of just doubled down and says, through him, through Jesus, we also have obtained access by faith. For a Jewish man hearing this, Jewish people and people in general did not have access to God, right? You can read, you can read, uh, you can read Exodus 19. Uh, you, can, you can also just look at the temple and the way things were set up. Gentiles can only go so far. Women, you can only go so far towards the holies of holies. Men, you can go so far priest of God you can go so far the high priest once a year you can only stay so long so this access through Jesus is something to God I think of Moses and uh and and, in the tabernacle or or the tent of meetings I wonder what the people would have thought if they thought anything. This is a man meeting with God. I'm sure they probably couldn't give too much thought to it because on Mount Sinai they was like, they're making like golden calves and whatnot. But just a thought, like, this is a man meeting with God. We see how Isaiah, when he sees God, what does he say? Whoa, it's me. A man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people. His glory surrounding us, it makes us undone. This opportunity that we have, that we can see how undone we are, how we are, be in his presence, and he still says, Come here, my child. It is not him overlooking your sin. This is what Paul says in Romans 3 towards the end. He talks about God being both. How can God be both just and the justifier? It is not God just overlooking your sin. No, he sees what you've done. He sees it so much that Jesus took what we have done. This is not God overlooking our sin. It's God seeing our sin and seeing Jesus and saying, man, it's paid for. We are at peace, and we have this access to God. So Jewish people would have saw God as just like utterly unapproachable. Just don't even go towards the mountain. Uh, make it like little, like hit, just like this dark cloud. They would have saw him as utterly unapproachable. But Paul says we have access to God. Matthew twenty seven. So we just get off of. Uh, uh, each Sunday. Matthew 27 uh, verse 51 it says this and behold the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks split. So Jesus' death it tore the curtain. What separated the holy of holies from all the people was this curtain, this veil, and God, Jesus, tore the veil top to bottom. I was reading, and and, and one commentary said, it said, top to bottom, because this access to God is based on what God doing. No man could have tore the veil from the top. If it was man's doing, they could have tore it from the bottom up. You know, it said, from top to the bottom. This access is good, it's good. This access is God's doing. Man, that's good. It's always been God. It still is God. And it will forever be God. My brothers and sisters, I want us to rest. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're currently doing, no matter what you did before you walked into this door, you are at peace with God. This is your, this is your standing. This is your standing. Jesus gave all who would come to him access to God. Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16 for your notes, it says this. It says, Let us then with confidence, confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm really big on how these things are written out. Do we hear this? It, grace, it kind of assumes sin. Grace assumes sin, let us with confidence. Don't be fearful. Don't be second guessing. Don't wonder your standing. You are at peace with God. Come with that confidence. Hey God, I am at peace. Thank you for that peace. Come with confidence. Draw near, not away. Because if if you're any of the sinners that I am, and I am a big sinner, I don't know if you know, but I'm going to say it every time. I am a man who stands before you, and I am a sinner. Sin makes me run away from God and not to God. This says, in Hebrews, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive. When we draw near, you will receive mercy and you will find grace. When would you find it? Somebody help me out. When would you find it? When you draw near, when else would you find it? I hope y'all. In the time of need. Not when everything is going right. You still need it when it's going right. that's That's not what it says. Draw near, you will receive mercy, you will receive grace, when, in the time of need, when you feel hopeless, when you feel like you have just, I just messed it all up. When you feel like you lost your salvation, which I don't I don't know, we can't, can't lose your <laughs> salvation, right? It's God, it would always be God, it still is God, right? In a time of need, Not when it's going right. Not when it's all good. Our access, listen closely, our access is purely on the basis of Jesus and him alone. And that will forever be our access. If you try to access God in any other way, any religion, any other person, the Bible says you are a thief and a robber. There's one way to God And that is through Jesus. There is only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to God except through me. There's no other way. 1 Peter 3.18. I want you guys to get this. It says this. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? That he might bring us to God. That he might bring, Christ suffered not for you to run away from God. Christ suffered to bring us to God. So Romans, it then goes on, and says this, it says, uh, through him we have also obtained uh, access by faith into this grace in which we stand. My brother and my sister, if you believe in Christ, you are standing in grace. You are fixed in grace. Your feet, your soul is anchored In grace. You are drowning in grace. You want me to keep going? I I need you to understand this. Paul says, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel. He says to the Corinthians, I will remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand. The gospel I preached, the gospel you received. The gospel in which you stand. We live in a firm, permanent reality of grace. The whole ecosystem, I told you I can keep going on, in which we live is grace. It is not you have been saved by grace, now go fix yourself. It's not the message. You have been saved by grace in that alone. You've been saved by grace. You will continue to be saved by grace. We look to Jesus for our salvation when we come. When we first believe, we look to Jesus. and For the rest of our life, we continue to look to Jesus. Never look to yourself. Say it again, never look to yourself. Yeah. It's a tendency that we have as God's people to try to look inward. We didn't come to this grace like that. It's grace that brought me here and it's grace that will lead me home. Yeah. Yeah. So the way it's written is cool because it says it says um... Into this grace, no, sorry, through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace. So we have have obtained access by faith into this grace. We have access to this grace. And as I was thinking about what God would have me preach, the first thing that came to my mind was preaching on the supremacy of Christ, which simply means that God, Jesus, right, Jesus is above all things. All things. When it comes to power, Jesus has ultimate power. There's no power that compares. When it comes to hope, there is no other hope that we can hope in that's more secure than the hope that we can hope that we have in Jesus. When it comes to love, there is no love to, that can compare to how great and far the love of Jesus is. So when we talk about this grace, there is nothing to compare this type of grace to. There is nothing that compares. We have access to this grace. I am, we are forgiven eternally by God. There is nothing that you can do or will do or have done that will take that away from anyone who puts their faith in what Jesus has done on that cross. Eternally, we are forgiven of God. So the question would arose, but what if I sin? But what if I sin? And Paul responds to that, Romans five twenty. Now law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, come on, come on. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. If it's sin versus grace, grace wins all the time. There is no competition. My sin and God's grace are not in competition. It is not an equal playing field. We're not waiting 115 to 115. Let's see who wins. Let's see who gets the last shot. Grace gets the last shot every time. Sin versus grace. Grace wins every time. Amen. Sin never cancels our salvation. Where sin abound, grace abounded, even the more. Brothers and sisters, I know we all ain't spick and span. This week, I haven't did nothing that I can say with sin. But the week before, you know, never, never know. Yeah. But I know that we haven't come in here just like, we all come in here kind of, some people come in here guilty. It is what it is. I've come in here Guilty. I I still am, even though I don't feel guilty, I am guilty. Right? Grace abounds. Where sin increases, grace abounds. Grace always forgives. It assumes sin, always forgives. If you have any questions about if you can lose your salvation, uh, there's a lot of different camps. Uh, salvation Army got a little camp. You know, it's kind of, but if you have any, any questions <laughs> <laughs> on if you can lose your salvation, let me just drop this with you. If I could lose my salvation, I would have already lost it. I would have lost it, got it back, and I would have lost it again. If you can lose your salvation, you would have lost it. You would have lost it, got it back, lost it again. It is God, who holds Jesus, says, those who the Father has given me, I won't lose none. Yeah. I believe that Jesus has a tight grip. There's no devil in hell, no demon, no, no, no scheme of Satan, no scheme of man, neither height nor depth, nor width. Nothing past, nor present, nor things to come. Nothing, in the, nothing can separate us from this love. And if Jesus has a hold on you, he has a tight grip. He has a tight grip. and He won't let you go. And we rejoice in this hope. Yeah. We rejoice in this hope. We are a people who are not hopeless. Yeah. We rejoice in this reality, our standing with God. This is how we stand with God. And our salvation is worth marveling at. It's literally a wonder to behold. So my brothers and sisters, come see what God has done and marvel at his goodness that God was send his son to die on a cross, to save a sinful people. That God would send his son and die on a cross to save a man like me. That God would send his son to die on a cross to save you. You know what you've done. You know what you're doing. I know what I've done. I know what I'm doing. In grace and balance. So let us pray. Father, I thank you for this good message. Your gospel is good news. And we've simply come here today to agree with you, God. To agree with what you've done and to say that we accept it and that it is good. I pray that anyone who does not know Jesus after hearing this message, accept this free gift that you have given to them. I pray that those who have accepted Jesus, that we continue to remind ourselves of this gift at times where we want to forfeit the gift. But once you have us, God, you have us. Father, we love you for it, God. We are yours eternally. And we're grateful for it. We appreciate you, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.